Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. As we're journeying through the little letter that Paul wrote to Titus, we're halfway through now and uh, we're seeing how we should be behaving towards each other, what we should be teaching each other, how we should all be role models, whether an old man, an old woman or a young man or a slave. And then Paul says in verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, what on earth does he mean by that? (laughs) You can take that to mean, I think, a number of different things. But in the end, they all come back to, to meaning something similar. You could say that he's referring to Jesus. Remember John in the opening of his letter says that uh, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and that from the fullness of his grace we have received blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. Uh, So he could be referring to Jesus. You could say that he's referring to the grace that is given us through the work of the Holy Spirit within us that enables us to live out the Christian message. Uh, You could say that the teaching of the Word of God, which is based upon the gospel of God's grace, is the grace referred to here. But however you interpret that, what Paul is saying is that God has revealed the grace that brings salvation and that this is available to all men. And this grace enables us, in verse 12, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Now, let's just concentrate on that for a moment or two. God gives to every believer the grace to say no to sin, to any form of ungodliness or any kind of worldly passion. The Lord will not allow us to be tempted beyond that which we're able to endure. That is the clear teaching of Scripture. The devil can only operate, temptation can only operate, if you like, within the limitations that are placed by God. And temptation is allowed in our lives to test our hearts, to test our integrity and our obedience to the Lord. But God will never allow us to be tested beyond our ability to resist the temptation. So God gives to every Christian sufficient grace to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. So if somebody does fall into sin, then we know that they have not used the grace that God made available to them. So when people say, I couldn't help it, you know, it wasn't really my fault, they're actually deceived. They could have helped it. If they'd used the grace that God had made available to them, they would have said no to that sin. They wouldn't have got into the wrong relationship or the wrong habit or the wrong addiction. But they probably right at the early stages uh, didn't say no. They didn't use grace that God had made available to them. So that's very, very important for us to understand. There are no excuses. So Paul says that this grace also has a positive aspect. It enables us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now that's interesting and just as important, that just as God supplies the grace to every believer to say no to sin, So he supplies the grace to do what is right. In other words, we don't have to depend just upon ourselves and upon our own efforts 
but we can depend upon the grace that God gives us. It's that grace that enables us to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, was there that sense that they were expecting the second coming of Jesus at any second? Well, it's interesting, this question, because you can look at some scriptures in the New Testament and it seems to suggest that they really did believe that the second coming was very imminent. But then you can look at other scriptures and they seem to indicate quite the opposite, that they realized that there was so much that God had to do before Jesus would come again. You can even look at what Jesus himself said about this and you can see that clearly so much has to happen before he comes again that it's not going to be very imminent. Now, why does Scripture seem to proclaim these two things which, on the face of it, you would think are contradictory? Well, they're not contradictory, and there's very good reason why the Scripture teaches us both. Because we are told that we are to live such lives in, in such integrity and such obedience to the Lord, in such close relationship with him, and that we would anticipate that at any time, even today, Jesus Christ would come again. And if he came today, we would be found ready for him, waiting for him, praying for him. And our lives would stand up to the testing that is going to happen. Because, of course, when he comes again, it will be wonderful for the redeemed of the Lord. But it's also going to be the time of judgment. And uh, therefore, we don't want to be found lacking. We don't want to be found wanting. So it's the clear teaching of Scripture that we're to live as if Jesus Christ would come again at any moment. And this was clearly what was done in the New Testament church. They taught people to live lives that would anticipate the second coming of Jesus. And of course, you know, none of us knows exactly when we're going to die. And if somebody dies suddenly, then they need to be just as ready as all believers need to be for when Jesus comes again. But at the same time, we, we must understand that the church exists to fulfill God's purpose for the church before Jesus comes again. And the church has a purpose in the world that is nothing like fulfilled yet if you, if you look at what it involves in Scripture. Uh, so there is much for the church to do. The church has to demonstrate to the world and even to the heavenly places that, Jesus, that, that the devil is overcome in the power of Jesus Christ. And the church doesn't really demonstrate that. In fact, at this moment in time, the church is allowing the devil to have a lot of freedom in the church, let alone overcoming the devil, demonstrating the victory that Jesus Christ has won over the enemy on the cross. All that has to be done before Jesus Christ will come again and, and much else. So we're to live in such a way as if Jesus Christ would, will come again at any moment. But at the same time, we're all part of the ministry that is preparing the way for the second coming of Jesus. So it's, uh, this is our blessed hope. If we're to live with that expectation that Jesus could come tomorrow or be prepared for him to come tomorrow or even be prepared to die ourselves tomorrow, what does that entail? What should our thinking, I mean, it sounds rather macabre and depressing, but uh, I guess it's not. Oh, not at all. No, you see, because the day of the Lord or when Jesus comes again in Scripture is both a day, time of great joy, of great rejoicing for those who are ready, but of really catastrophe, really, 
uh, of judgment for those that are not ready, those who are not saved, those who are not in that right place with God, in that righteousness that comes by faith. So it, 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 in that sense, there's going to be two very conflicting things. This is when everything will be brought to light and you will see those who are the sons of light and those who are the sons of darkness. And uh, not just those who, who say they're Christians and those who are not, but those who really are sons of light, walking in the light, living as the children of light, and those who really are walking in darkness. Everything will be revealed at that time. But you see, for those of us that really seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we really want the will and purpose of God. We pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And meaning, therefore, and in my life, first and foremost, um, you know, in each of our lives personally, that is, uh, we're praying at the same time we're, we're living, we're working in such a way that we're welcoming, we're longing for the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So that's a good description of what we should be doing. We should be living as those who are pure, the people that God has purified from himself. We've turned away from wickedness. We are a people who are his very own. We realize that we have been bought with a price. We're purchased for God with the precious blood of Jesus, and we're eager to do what is good. Some people are very afraid to talk about death and dying and eternal life and all the rest of it, but you're clearly not. You're not afraid to die, are you, Colin? No, I'm not. And um, I think that is a work that God does in believers. I think it's one of the great values of salvation. Um, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily there when a person first becomes a Christian, but I think um, the, the more mature we become as Christians, the more actually there is a sense in which, like Paul, we long to be with the Lord. We don't want to go before God's appointed time, and we want to fulfill everything that God has for us here on earth. But we know that death is not to be avoided at all costs because death is just the entrance into a much greater, deeper, more wonderful relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. And it's into the fullness uh, of his life uh, in heaven and in glory that we will be living and reigning with him for all eternity. So it's into a much greater expression of freedom and life that we're able to enjoy here on earth. So, no, I'm, I'm not afraid to die. I, I think, uh, you know, there was, there was for quite a long time in my Christian life, you couldn't help wondering, well, I, I wonder what it would be like to die. I think we all wonder that. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if I'm going to sort of be secure in that when the time comes. But I think by the grace of God, uh, it is a work of his grace. He just brings us to the point of saying, well, it's just the entrance into something much, much greater. And therefore, of course, uh, that needs to um, affect the way we grieve for those who have gone before us to be with the Lord because we may be grieving because we've, we've lost them, at least uh, at this present time. We can't relate to them here on earth because they've gone on to glory. But they're happy, aren't they? They're rejoicing with the Lord they wouldn't want to come back to what we have here on earth because what they have now is so much greater. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 